I want to speak to you just for a few moments. If I can have everyone's attention, a lot going on. I can tell you this, there's been multiple confirmations this morning that we're on target, that we're going somewhere that God is moving Hot FM to the next place, the next step, the next stage that he has for us. And so I want to just talk to you about winning the war. We've heard about the battle. We've sang the battle is the Lord's, all of that. And we're in a battle. And I want to talk to you about winning the battle through prayer. I was looking back at the different messages that I've brought and uh, Barry and Brandon's message is absolutely amazing. And if you, if you missed any of them, you can go back and watch them. But just on mine alone, I was just looking back and um, for your memory, um, we talked about the power of change, which is the Holy Spirit in your life. We talked about servanthood and humility that being greatest in the kingdom is the servant. Not the apostle. I know. I know. Say, are you picking a fight? No, I'm not picking a fight. Just looking at scripture. Servanthood and humility. And then the last one was true worship being abandonment to God. Where you take off your control or you release your control to his control. And you abandon yourself to him and to his will and to his purposes. But today I want to talk to you about war. We're in a war whether we want to be or not. I was looking, I was studying, and, and I felt this before I looked it up, but I felt this. Most people don't like conflict. At very few people in society will go pick a fight just to pick a fight. Um, I don't like war. I don't, I don't like conflict. Sometimes people will come to me and say, well, you, you just like conflict. No, 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 no. I don't like conflict. I'm willing to have some conflict to bring out understanding and sort through to minimize and get rid of conflict. There's a difference there. But I'm not looking to fight with anybody. Well, except Satan. And we have that ongoing. And guess what? You, and, you do too. You have to fight Satan. So there's natural wars and nobody likes them and spiritual wars that are difficult. And that's what we find ourselves in. And this conflict happens whether we show up or not. Say, well, you know, I don't want to participate. Oh, you're going to participate. You're going to fight the devil or he's going to bop you on the head. If you don't show up in prayer, you're going to lose the war. You're going to lose the battle with the enemy. 
And you know, the interesting thing about it is that people not liking conflict. God knew that. He, he knew that when he created us, he knew that his people, we're, we're among his people, right? That his people didn't like war. And I was, I was thinking about this. You know, there was a shorter route to the promised land that God did not take the children of Israel on. And he had a reason. Let me read it to you. Exodus 13, 17. So it happened when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearer. For God said... The people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. He knew that we didn't like war, generally speaking. Now, I know there's some oddballs out there who love it, but generally speaking, we don't we don't like it. Ephesians 6:12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wish that it said we wrestle not. Period. How many of you? We want calm we want peace, and we should. We want everyone to get along. We don't want any conflict. We don't want any war. I can tell you that the spiritual battle that we fight is not a game. It is not a game. I was thinking the other day about how many of you remember the game, and maybe you have it at your house, Hungry Hippos. So you know what I'm talking about. I remember our, our nephew when he was, he was little. I have a video, and he doesn't understand the game, and he's just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And the, the hippo grabs the balls, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. This is not a game that we're playing. We have our, our life, meaning our home, our family, our friends, our jobs, our finances, and all of that that, we're, that God has given to us. And yet when the enemy comes, we let him take from us. You ever been in a season where you felt like there was holes in your pocket? And all the money that you made just... Because he stole it. Let's remember his job description. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal everything you have, kill you, but not only you, but your soul. He wants to destroy your soul so that heaven is not your home. That's what he wants to do. A funny story. This has nothing to do with my message, but I got to tell you this. Reign of heaven. I could tell you a story about that, but I'll, I'll leave that one. But David Santiago and I were in Africa one day, and we had a day off, and so I said, let's go see some animals. So we went to this place, and 
where these animals were, and we were sitting there having breakfast, and a whole bunch of baboons. Joe, what is a herd of baboons called? A troop. That's it. A troop of baboons came walking through, and I was sitting at the end of the table, and David was over here, and the table went this way. Nobody else was there. And they were going through behind, and I, I saw them, but I wasn't thinking, you know, any much about it. And all of a sudden, this big baboon came walking up beside me, and I thought it was just going to keep on going. Before I knew it, the baboon was up on the table, and I, as a good missionary, I always try to have a, jelly, a jar of jelly with me because there's some places that I go, there's just bread. And how many of you know jelly goes great with bread? Day after day after day after day after day. Yeah, when, yeah. So I had this jelly. And this baboon jumped on my table and grabbed the jar of jelly. And out of my instincts, I grabbed it back from him. David's sitting there looking at all this happen, and he can't believe it. When I grabbed the jelly, the baboon grabbed my bread that was on my plate and took off. Again, that has nothing to do with my message. It was just funny. But the baboon came to steal what wasn't his. If you know anything about baboons, they'll kill you like that. Big fangs, especially the big ones, big fangs, the daddies of the troop. Very mean, very wicked. But this is not a game that we're playing. So today I want to talk to you about warring in the spirit through prayer. And I want to give you some, some key points to jot down to help you with this. Number one is pursuit, pursuit. Now, I know when we talk about a war and we say the word pursue, we, we many times interpret that the army is rushing to the enemy to fight, to fight. But I'm not talking about that today. I want to talk to you about pursuit of the Father in your battle. It's a principle of war. You know, we, we all know the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, we should pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start saying it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, that's the way he started, our Father. Can I tell you, you get to, as an individual, you get to pursue the Father in prayer. Your Father in prayer. You get to have a relationship with the Father that you never would have had without the Son. Think about that. 
If it wasn't for Jesus, just before Jesus went to the cross, he said this in John 16. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything, for you can go directly to the Father and ask him. And he will give it to you because you use my name. You haven't tried this before, but begin now. Ask using my name and you will receive that your cup of joy will overflow. In other words, Jesus said, you go straight directly to the Father and you can ask him in my name. But listen to this that the cup of your joy will overflow. I don't believe that the joy that you have is in receiving from the Father. I believe that the joy that you have is that you get to ask the Father. You're not out on the back 40 where he can't hear you and where he doesn't know where you are. You can go directly to the Father and there's tremendous joy in knowing that he listens to us when we pray. In the Old Testament, I was talking with Barry for just a few moments, um, the term angel of the Lord, you you see that in Scripture. Um, I believe, as many do, that uh, many times, if not most of the times, that when you see angel of the Lord, that it's actually the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. This happened to many people. Abraham, if you, sometime you should do a study on it. Um, Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Moses and the burning bush. Remember that? Balaam, Gideon, Samson's parents, David, Joshua. The example um, came to me that I I shared last time that I spoke in Joshua 5. And Joshua looked and a man was standing holding a drawn sword. Remember this? I, I said this a few weeks ago. Joshua went to him and asked him, are you for us or against us? And he said, neither, but I'm the commander of the Lord Lord's army, and I have come. And notice this, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. We don't worship angels. Jesus made a way for us to talk to the Father. The greatest thing about prayer is that you get to talk to the Father. And there is a pursuit of relationship in prayer with the Father. If you want to win the war, talk to the big guy, the Father. Say, well, that sounds disrespectful. Oh, no. The big guy, he's my father. He handles everything. You get to talk to him. Amen? Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy, and to find grace to help us in our times of need. Awesome. Awesome. Where he's coming to us just when we need it. One translation says, a well-timed help. 
going boldly to the throne of grace. Second thing, praise. Praise. We're talking about winning the war. Winning the war is about praise. I'll say this. If you leave praise out of your prayer, I don't know how good the prayer is. I just don't. The first thing we need to do is pray. Chronicles 2.20. When we, we sang this, um, let, me just, let me just read it here. Do not be afraid. Chronicles uh, 20, verse 15. Do not be afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God. Remember singing that this morning? And then verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. The battle is not yours, but God. Stand still and see. How, let me ask you a question. How can I get the battle to be God's and not mine? How can I stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and see God win the battle? Verse 21. He appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. The children of Israel didn't set ambushes. The Lord set it. Why? Because the battle was his. That's why. And they were smitten and utterly slay and destroyed them and when they got finished everyone helped destroy another i know that wording's a little bit different but they turned on themselves and began to kill themselves while the children of israel sang praises to god can we get to that point i'm just asking I know I want to go there. Can we get to the point where when we fight a battle, we praise and let him do the fighting when, so that when we're finished, the enemy has been totally destroyed. Israel was singing and praising God, and the battle became the Lord's. Psalm 149, 6-9, let the high praises of God be in their mouths, or one translation says in their throats. That's kind of a little different, but be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and to punish and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. Do you know there's a written judgment for Satan and his forces? To execute on them the judgment that is written, 
This is, to, this is the honor of all the godly ones. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. It's an honor to praise God. And it's a weapon against the enemy. I'm going to ask you today, are you taking advantage of this weapon of praise? I know for me... In my prayer time, sometimes there's a lot going on. I know none of you believe that, but just trust me on this. A lot going on. A lot of problems, a lot of situations. There's sometimes in my life, and I'm sure you can witness to this, that you didn't even see a way out of the dilemma. May not have seen a way out of your health situation. Maybe you didn't see a way out of your financial, financial situation. But you know, there's, I've found myself sometimes in my prayer times where I don't request anything. Now, we're going to get to requests and petitions, but there's times that I will not even in my prayer time mention one request to him. All I do is praise him. You say, how, how can you do that? There's lots to praise him for. I praise him for my wife. Oh, praise God. Come on, come, come back, come back, come back, come back. I praise him for my kids. I know some of you. You're like, you don't know my kids. I'm telling you, you better praise them. Now my grandkids, I praise him for my grandkids. I praise him for the church, for family and friends, a place to live. I hope you don't gripe and growl around about the place that God's given you to live in. For my health. And then for food, Mick. Mick, let me tell you something about me. Mick, Mick wants to ask me what I'm doing for lunch, but he, here's a fact, he cannot ask me without a big smile on his face. Now, I know, I know, but we're thankful for food, aren't we, Mick? I thank God for meeting my needs, for giving me wisdom. For his loving kindness. Just think about that. How about for all that he forgave you of? We could camp there all day. For my job, for the family of God, I thank him that heaven is my home. For material blessings. Well, I don't hear that in church. In fact, I hear that preached against. No, let me tell you something. Everything that we possess materially comes from him. You take advantage of it. You don't be a good steward of it. It probably won't be long till you won't be having that material blessing. Just telling you. I praise him for God's encouragement. How many of you, there, there, it just seemed like hopelessness was just closing in, and then you started praising God and your encouragement just... I praise him because his mercies are new every morning. Every single morning. He knows my needs. But there's times that I just want to focus on his greatness. 
Praise is a weapon. Number three, petition. That's asking for something. That's making a request known. Matthew 6, back to the Lord's Prayer. And we ask that your kingdom will come now. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread again. In other words, we, we asked for it yesterday. I hope you did. Ask for his provision yesterday, and we ask for it today. We're not ashamed of that. We need him to provide it for us. And forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. You don't forgive other people their sins. Your sins will not be forgiven. Aren't you glad that not only God allows us to invite us to ask him, but he wants to answer us. Isn't it great that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said it was okay for you to ask for your needs? Daily provision and good relationship is in the Father's will for you. We can petition God. 1 John 5. Listen to this and listen and think of the word confidence, having confidence. 1 John 5. And we are sure of this, that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we really know that he listens to us when we talk to him and make our request, then we can be sure that he will answer us. Notice the confidence. It's not, it's not confidence in ourselves. We're confident in him. That when we pray according to his will. So it's not asking for my will or my kingdom to come. It's not, it's not asking God, oh God, I, you know that neighborhood. I, I wanna, that's a high class neighborhood. And I, I want to live in that the biggest house in there so everybody will look at me and they'll think that I've got status and whatever. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's not talking about, well, you know, God, I, I, I need that car and I need it to be that color. It, that's not what we're talking about. Or, oh, God, let me be the boss. Let, let, me, let me just so I can boss everybody around. That's not what we're talking about here. But rather, your kingdom come into my life, and your will be done in my life. And how is that done? By surrendering and by yielding to him and to his will, to his kingdom. God says, if you're praying according to your will and your kingdom, I won't hear you. But if you're praying according to my will and my kingdom... I will not only hear you, but I will answer you. I can get all stressed out if I keep my petitions to myself. If I don't give it to God, I get all stressed out. You know, 
Don't look at me like that. You know it's true. You walk around carrying those burdens all day long. You replay them in your mind all day long. Some of us even break out in a sweat thinking about it. How many, how many of you? Well, I won't ask that. <laughs> and I can get grumpy if I don't give my petitions. I was looking around to see if anybody's nudging anybody. You can get grumpy too. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, you need to pray. Just go ahead. But if I give him my petitions and I say, your will be done, then I can relax. Giving it to him, trust him, then I can relax. If you give your burdens to him, then the battle becomes the Lord's, and you get to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But if you, but in order to do that, you've got to actually surrender to him. For those of you who don't know, my wife and I, we've had three children, and um, our middle daughter lived for four months and then was passed away, but passed away, but I was remembering during that time frame in our life, and, and some of you will bear witness with what I'm saying, where it was so difficult um, that the peace and the calm, I experienced it when I was sleeping at night. Because in the daytime, you know, you're dealing with it. You're dealing with hospitals and doctors and suffering and all that kind of stuff. And I can remember waking up in the morning after sleeping and resting, and I can remember wishing that the reality was just a bad dream, a bad nightmare. But yet, I was awake now, and it was real. All day long, I can remember, all day, every day, I would just be like, God, I'm giving this situation to you. I'm just trusting you to help me through it, help my wife through it, help Austin, our son, through it. And he helped us through it, through a very difficult time. And some of you facing very difficult situations, can I tell you, can I encourage you to do that with God? I know it's overwhelming. I know you wish it was a bad dream and it was a nightmare and it was all over and it wasn't real. But yet you live it every day. The battle is the Lord's if you'll give it to him. You will stand still and see the salvation of God. Number one was pursuit. Of the Father. Number two was praise. Three was petition. Four is protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Greek translation, the real one, says the evil one. It's part of our daily prayer. You say, well, I don't pray that. My advice to you is I'd be praying it if I were you. Daily deliverance, daily protection, it's our daily prayer. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Here's that confidence thing. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover me with His feathers and under His wings shall I trust. His truth shall be a shield and a buckler. Another translation, God will save you from the hunter's trap and from every deadly sickness. He will protect you with his pinions or his feathers. You'll find refuge under his wing. His faithfulness is a protective shield. Israel has the iron dome. He's our iron dome. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this one out loud. Who is the lion in the Bible? Satan or Jesus? Don't answer it. The Bible never says that Satan is a lion. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a... Or like a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Like a roaring lion. In other words, similar and resembling somewhat. Satan tries to counterfeit God all the time. He can't even get scripture straight. He's got to twist it. Satan. Everything he says is a lie. Well, let me give you a little advice. Don't believe anything that he tells you. He's a liar. God not only tells us how to defeat the enemy. I'm going to read this to you. But he also tells us what the enemies do. Um, where am I at? Hang on one second. I'd lost my place. How many of you have ever lost your place? Here we go, back to the line. Um, and I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scrolls and look at it. And then one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look closely. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome and he's conquered. He can open the scrolls and break the, its seven seals. And there between the throne and among the elders, I saw a lamb, that's Jesus Christ standing, bearing the scars and the wounds as though he had been slain, with seven horns representing complete power and seven eyes representing complete knowledge, which are the seven spirits of him, of, of God, who have been sent into all of the earth. Jesus is the lion. Not the devil. Jesus is the lion. And then 2 Kings 6, it says, let me read you this story, talking about get, getting insight to the enemy's plan. We're talking about a war. A war that we're fighting. Each of us are fighting. And it says, 
Once, when the king of Syria was at war with Israel, he said to his officers, we will mobilize forces and go to such and such a place. And immediately, Elisha warned the king of Israel and said, don't go to that place because the Syrians are planning to mobilize troops there. So the king sent out scouts to see if Elisha was right. And sure enough, he saved him from disaster. And this happened several times. Elisha had insight into what the enemy's plans were against the children of Israel. And this happened on multiple times. Let me say this to you. I believe that we can get to the point in Christ where the plans of the enemy are exposed ahead of time so that his army, that's us, you and me, whether we want to think it or not about war, so that we can prepare ourselves for the war and win the war through God. Where was I at? And the king of Syria was puzzled, calling together the officers and demanded, which of you is a traitor? And, by, and who is informing the king of Israel about our plans? And they said, it's not us, sir, but rather it's Elisha the prophet. He tells the king of Israel, even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. The secrets of the enemy are available to you and me. He said, go and find out where he is, and we'll send the troops and seize him. And the report got back to Elisha. So one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the prophet's servant, not the prophet, but the prophet's servant, got up early in the morning and went outside where the troops were and the horses were and the chariots were, and they were everywhere. And he came back and said, oh, my master, what shall we do now? And Elisha said, do not be afraid, for our army is bigger than theirs. And Elisha prayed, and the Lord opened the eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes so that he could see all of the horses on, of fire and the chariots of fire. And they were everywhere upon the mountains. Don't think for a moment that you fight this battle alone. The armies of the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, are there surrounding you to fight your battle with you. To cause you to win the war. How does God do all this? Well, remember we said last time, these, that he's omnipotent, he possesses all power, that he's omnipresent, he's everywhere at one time, and then he's omniscient. He knows everything. God, God. Did you notice that the enemy is not omnipresent? He's not everywhere. The Bible says, remember, he walks around, he's not everywhere. He has to move about from place to place. God will tell you ahead of time the strategies 
in order for you to win the war. Again, as an example, um, going back to Alicia, I remember, I was thinking about this, I remember um, as we were moving into that season, and I did, I felt like God was telling me that I was entering in a difficult season. I, I can't say, I would never say that I knew exactly what it was, but he told me that I was, and he told me to prepare for it. And so I was in scripture and, and I was praying and he told me, he told me, don't, don't give up. This is ahead of time. Before all the details, well, we got the victory. Well, I, I don't know. What, what is it that I'm fighting? Listen, you don't need to know all of the details. You need to know the victor. You need to know the one that has all power to take you through your difficult time, that difficult season. And he led me through it. He guided me. It's like steering a steering wheel. He steered me through those difficult times. And the way that you win the war is to develop that relationship with God in prayer and in his word. God wants us to win the war. And just as I said before, there is a war. And if you don't show up in prayer, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. We show up in prayer and God protects us. And last, number five, proclamation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You end your prayer by proclaiming how great he is. It does matter what you say. Remember the example one time, there's a lady that was in our church a number of years ago, older lady, and you, she just always grumbled, always had a story. And it was like, you wanted to ask her how she was doing, but if you, if you asked her how she was doing, she'd tell you this whole list. Oh, the devil did this, and the devil took this, and the devil lied to me about this. Oh, bless his holy name. And I'm thinking, what in the world? But her focus was on the devil. It matters what you say. I'm not talking about denial. I'm not into denial. I'm a very realist person. But it matters what you say. I know sometimes we're not careful with the things that we say or proclaim. Proverbs 6 says that we're snared and trapped by the words of our mouth. Proverbs 18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. To make it real simple, what are you agreeing with? Are you agreeing with God's word over your life or are you agreeing with Satan's word over your life? What is coming out of your mouth? You need to be proclaiming the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people for God's possession. Your purpose is to announce the virtuous deeds of the one who has called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Amazing light. A holy nation. We're a holy nation, meaning we're dedicated to God. We're a people for God's possession. That means we were purchased by God himself. That, and our purpose was to announce or proclaim or speak out loud his virtuous deeds. In other words, his wonderful deeds. I trust that we take time to think about the deeds that God has done in our life. When Satan lies to you about your future and he says it'll never get any better, tell him about his future. (laughs) Revelation 20, And the devil who deceived them was hurled into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophets were also. And they will be tortured day and night forever and ever. Heaven is my future. Hell is his future. We're in a war. We're in a battle. Nobody likes to fight. Very little like to fight. But this is how we fight. This is how we win the war. We pursue the Father in prayer. We give praise to the Father. We petition from the Father. We get our protection by the Father. And we make proclamations about the Father. It's a relationship that God wants given to us by Jesus Christ, his son. I want to encourage you, as you fight your battle, pursue relationship with him. Count on him. Believe on him. Have confidence in him knowing that it is he who will win the war in your life. Brandon. Okay, speaking about prayer, we're going to break up into our prayer circles. You guys ready? I know time's maybe running a little bit late, so if you got to head out, feel free to head out. But we want to get into our prayer circle. So if you, if our deacons could all stand up and raise your hand, or if you've led a prayer circle before, raise your hand. You're, you're about to lead right now. So um, we'll just spread out across the room. If everyone could stand up and go to and go find someone to pray with in these, in these prayer circles. This is something we haven't done in a while, but we want to keep this in our culture here, Heart of the Father. We want to be a praying church. If you could keep your hand raised. Enrico, Yoranda, if you guys can lead a group as well. Dan, stay school, you wanna can you lead a group as well for me? Amaryllis, yep. Hand raised. We want to try to keep around maybe ten to, to ten to a group. 
if possible. Feel free to break up into a smaller group. What we're looking for is we're looking for just a 45-second, a minute prayer. Don't be a prayer hogger. Be mindful of those around you who want to pray as well. Okay, what are we praying about? Here's what we're praying for, okay? There are several pregnant mamas in our community, and so we want to pray for them. There's been a lot of physical attacks on on people in this body, and this morning we decided we want to pray specifically for the moms who are pregnant, for their delivery, for a healthy baby, for a healthy mom, for a dad who's ready to lead the family. Okay, I'm going to list some of the pregnant people here in our community, but Tim and Jay Shanahan, they just gave birth this past weekend. I'm not going to go into detail, but there was somewhat of a complication for Jay, so keep her in prayer. We have Ryan and Ida Horton, Caleb and Deidre Gore, Juan and Savannah Garcia, Mac and Kaylin Fowler, Micah and Jada Bonner, Isaac and Andrea Farias, Tori and Alex Rasmussen. There are missionaries over in Africa. And there's a couple other families that are pregnant. I'm not going to say the names because I don't know if it's public yet, and I don't want to get in trouble. Um, there are those. Is it us, boo? Okay. There have been just, there's been a miscarriage a couple of weeks ago that we're aware of. Um, There are those who are trying to have uh, a child and not able to. So we just want to contend and pray for those who are pregnant, those who are trying to get pregnant, for those who have suffered a loss, etc. Specifically, we want to pray, though, for healthy babies, for healthy moms, um, for healthy delivery, and for dads to be ready to lead their family. Okay? All right, ready, go. One, two, three.